goodness. I don't do this often. I don't speak much um, publicly. I speak privately a lot. Okay. <laughs> so, um, well, hello, everyone. Uh, I hope y'all enjoyed whatever the confusion was with the potato salad that wasn't potato salad. That was exciting. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Clay, C-L-A-Y. Um, my grandpa calls me C-Lay. Uh, I do a little bit of like a lot of things uh, here at Crossroads, so I'm like a jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, and one thing that I do a little bit is I'm a part of our communication team, so I will be opening up our new sermon series today. Um, and this series that we're starting is called Mixtape Volume Three. Let me get some water and then we'll start. Thank you. So this is the third time, that's why it's called Volume Three, the third time we visited this series. Um, and the awesome thing about it is how diverse each message is going to be from each communicator. And with this series, we allow our communicators to talk about anything God has laid on their heart to share with the congregation. Um, and with this, we like the tagline uh, called My Favorite Hits, because really what's happening here is um, it keeps in line with the series of mixtape, right? So you put your favorite hits on a mixtape, um, and then that will create uh, sort of the tracks or the songs that our sermons are going to have on this mixtape. So if you were to take all these sermons together, you'd have one mixtape of very eclectic things uh, that are just so fun to share. So track one uh, for us is, I'm going to be sharing that with you. Don't worry, I'm not singing. I haven't prepared an actual song. <laughs> Thank you. Mar Marnie, I know you were worried. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, track one is my favorite hit, and it's all about hope. Everyone say hope. Thank you. Uh, so hope for me has always been a word that is just the most fascinating thing to me. Uh, we hear hope everywhere. We hear it in music, movies, TV shows, in books. We talk about it in conversations, about our hopes and our dreams. We ask little kids, like, what are your hopes and dreams for the future? Blah, blah, blah. Um, we love hope. We crave hope. So what I want you guys to think about first, and I'm going to give you guys a second of silence to really think about this, because I think it's so crucial that we understand this about ourselves, and that is, what do you hope for? What is something in your life right now that you are hoping for? Maybe it's for a relationship to be restored. Maybe it's for um, you to get better grades in school. Um, maybe it's for people to like you and listen to you because you feel like an outcast and no one listens to you and you're just waiting for an opportunity to be heard. What is it you hope for? So let me share a story. Uh, this is kind of my journey of, of leading into hope and, and realizing what that was for me. And um, it starts low and then gets to hope later. So bear with me, okay? One day in fifth grade, I was in a teacher's classroom and was super bored during a study hall that was going on. And it was one of those few moments where, and I don't know if you guys have had this before, where you say, I'm so bored, I'll do anything. And then you actually mean that. Like, you will genuinely do anything. Because sometimes we'll say, I'm so bored, I'll do anything. And someone's like, well, do you want to go do this? And you're like, no. 
It's like, well, I thought you said you'd do anything, <laughs> right? So I was actually that bored. Um, and the teacher suggested that I look through some of the books that was in uh, one of her cabinets and just start reading one that stands out. So I go over to this uh, cabinet. I start rummaging through the books that are there. And I found one that had a cover that caught my attention. And the book was called Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Which is weird that I'm talking about this at church. <laughs> okay, so I began reading it, and it felt like, and I think this was the point of the book, is an entirely new world was unlocked for me. It inspired me in ways that nothing ever had at that point. Uh, as a fifth grader, I mean, <laughs> right? Uh, I became enamored with the story and even asked to borrow it. Uh, if you don't know Wonderland, or if you've never heard of it, uh, Alice in Wonderland, um, Alice goes down this magical rabbit hole, which is where we actually get our phrase, going down a rabbit hole. Like, that's where we get that from, uh, if you didn't know that. And she goes into this world called Wonderland, and Wonderland is this beautiful, colorful, amazing place. Everyone speaks very eloquently. Uh, there's this tea party guy who loves to speak in rhymes, and he's super cool. Uh, and everyone was so unique. And not only were they unique, they were allowed to be unique, Right? So if they were some sort of outcast, well, suddenly everyone was an outcast. And so it just felt like you fit in with everyone else because everyone is different. And when I was thinking about this story, um, I'm reminded about how desperately I wanted an experience just like that, right? To fit in, to feel normal, to feel like it was okay that I'm different, right? Home was really hard because it felt like I was going home to a family that didn't understand me and that really only wanted good grades from me, right? Because that's what my parents were telling me is, get better grades, do better, do better, do better, better grades, right? That was the constant script that, uh, that I was being given. And school was hard because my classmates would bully me for being so different, for being so unique, for my muchness, as it's called in the Alice in Wonderland book, okay? Um, so I never felt like in either of my worlds, whether school or at home, like I was really safe and allowed to be me. But if I could one day step into a world like Wonderland, I could escape all the worries and all the hurts that I face in these real worlds that I step in. So from that point, and maybe you guys have felt this too, my life became all about escapism. How can I go down any rabbit hole and into a far-off place that would allow me to forget the real world that I was so miserable being a part of, right? How could I escape it? So shortly after this, um, I discovered comic books. Anyone in here ever read a comic book? That's like something we'd never talk about in church. <laughs> I, was telling, uh, I was telling Crystal earlier today that I feel like anytime a guy is like up here giving a message about anything, the illustrations are always like sports related or like really manly. Like, oh, we were in the field, in the trenches doing this or in the military training I had, I was doing this. For me, it's just all comic books. It's all nerd stuff. That's all I have for you, okay? Uh, so I discover these comic books, these amazing superheroes, uh, Batman, who some of you have heard of, The Flash, who less of you have heard of, and The Green Lantern, who maybe two of you have heard of. Uh, <laughs> so I could escape into these heroes' worlds and be inspired by the hope that they brought to their own stories. This was me escaping. It was then that life became about one word, and it was the word that I was being taught through these superheroes, and that is Hope. Everyone say hope. 
Thank you. I latched on to hope and was obsessed with finding more of it, or at least what I thought it was. And these heroes brought me hope that something incredible could happen to me that would allow me to become something different than who I was. What if I fell into a vat of chemicals and lightning struck and suddenly I can run at the speed of light? <laughs> what if I find out that I'm from a other world and uh, my only weakness is some green rock and I am unstoppable in every other way? That'd be really cool, right? So that was my hope. And the hardest thing about finding hope in these stories is that my hope would only last as long as the stories did. I needed more stories. I needed to get like another injection of hope, right? I needed to go buy another comic book or watch another movie or find another TV show to go down a rabbit hole so that I could just sustain that hopeful feeling that I thought I was getting. My plan to escape the world I lived in only would last as long as the pages of those comic books would. Immediately after I came back from the rabbit hole, I was confronted with the same issues that were supposed to dissolve while I was gone. Anyone ever feel that way? I'm going to escape, and then when I get back, this will be solved, and I won't have to worry about anything. Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> um, I thought that if I avoided my problems long enough, they would just cease to be problems as long as I stayed distracted in Wonderland. So Wonderland for me was an escape. And maybe you find yourself trying to escape all the time. So think about this. What are your escapes? We all have them. What are they? And why do we feel the need to escape so much? We do it with sports, movies, writing, television, with theme parks, adventures, food. Uh, I really like food. <laughs> uh, the world is really hard, isn't it? And that's why it feels like we need to escape it. But if we tell someone that, they'll say, well, you should be grateful for where you're at. Right? And so it feels like, well, I can't really share that the world is hard because I'm supposed to be grateful. <laughs> and we shouldn't run out of hope because there's always tomorrow, people tell us, right? It's like, well, today I'm feeling like crap. And it's like, well, tomorrow will be better. Don't worry. Like, tomorrow's going to be fine, right? And then we get to tomorrow and, and this hope seems to run away so fast. But we're still craving hope. Right? Even though it seems to elude us and, and seems to always run away and run out, we're always looking for it. We're all looking for inspiration all the time. And we all come to a conclusion at some point, some of us get jaded enough to where we go, well, hope just can't last. Hope runs out. And even though we come to that conclusion, we still end up going back to our wonderlands, don't we? We still try to escape even though we get to the point where we say, well, there's just no hope, so I might as well go seek more hope. That doesn't make any sense, right? Work gets really hard, so you go out and work more at the gym or the basketball court, and now you're overworked, <laughs> but you were supposed to escape from work to do that. School is really tiring, so to escape, you stay up late playing video games only to be more tired the next day. That didn't work. <laughs> you clean the house. But to escape, instead you go online shopping and spend money on things that's going to make the space more cluttered. Right? <laughs> we try to escape our problems, but end up perpetuating the problems that we have. Our wonderlands, our escapes, can only bring us hope for so long. And once we start to question our wonderlands, it's time to find a new one. So that we can feel that 
excitement, the discovery. We feel that again and we go, oh my gosh, okay, now this thing is actually going to sustain me. This thing is actually going to work. I promise. Anyone ever say that before? Yeah. So here's the good news. Because remember, I said it gets better. (laughs) The good news is that none of us have to stay in an endless cycle of escapism to only get temporary hope, right? That's what we do. We stay in this endless cycle of escaping and get temporary hope out of it. But the cycle's endless. Uh, Recently, someone asked me what I like to do in order to gain rest. Um, And what's odd is I do the same things that I did in high school. I still read comic books. I still watch movies all the time. I uh, am watching TV. I play video games. Just classic nerd stuff, okay? Uh, Not the other stuff that you've heard from other preachers where they're like, I go out and play basketball. That's not me. Uh, But (laughs) what's interesting about me still doing those things is I've moved from a place of thinking of those things as escapes, Okay. Someone asked me, uh, well, do you feel like when you do those old things that are escapes, are you still escaping? And I said, no, not anymore. Something's changed, and we'll get to what that is. But now to me, it feels like an arrival to something. It feels like I can forever arrive at the things that I delight in with Jesus by my side. So Jesus is the key here. Yeah, JJ? Yeah. Yes, I love it. Pretty close. Yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so, so what's happening here is I can delight with Jesus by my side while doing these things, and my filter has changed to where I'm now in an endless cycle of arrival to get permanent hope. So while I'm with Jesus watching a movie, I'm thinking, well, Jesus, what are you saying about this? What do you think? What, what's shining through here? Because um, I've tried looking for hope in so many different heroes, only to realize that they are an imitation of the most real superhero ever, and that's Jesus. So now when I look at something like Batman or Superman or uh, Iron Man, uh, I actually am looking for things that they stole from Jesus. Because there's messages or themes that we just can't help but look at Jesus and go, well, that's the perfect hero. Let's take some of those elements and put them in this story. Because Jesus is actually the most compelling superhero of all time. He's the one who actually gives us real hope in that we can be like him because he's like us. He's a man, right? I don't have to become something crazy. I don't have to get a bunch of money. I don't have to be from another planet, right? I don't have to go into this wonderland in order for people to accept me. What if I can just be like Jesus because he was a man? So when we arrive at the cross where Jesus sacrificed himself for everyone that would believe in the work he came to do, we are filled with an eternal hope. Instead of needing to jump from thing to thing, we can continually arrive at Jesus to be the one who fills us with hope. And that can be regardless of what we're doing. When we're doing our hobbies, we can look to Jesus and say, well, Jesus, where are you in this, right? Jesus, how are you bringing me hope that actually lasts? Because my hope can be in you and not in a circumstance and not in what I'm doing, right? 
I want to share a verse with you guys. This is the only verse I'm going to share from, from Scripture today, so it's super easy to memorize, super easy to latch on to. And this is from the book of Hebrews. Now, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, uh, so I'm just going to say some guy put it this way. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So let me say that again so we can start thinking about where hope actually fits into this. Because a lot of people take the faith part, and that's, that's really important, right? So now faith is confidence in what we hope for. So it's actually, faith is predicated on what we hope for, right? We need to be able to hope for things. We need to be able to think of, well, things actually can get better, right? And then faith is the confidence in that actually happening, right? Assurance about what we do not see right now. And there's so many Christians today that are so unsure of their salvation in Christ. They feel like they need to walk on eggshells with God. They feel like it's a tightrope walk with God in order to maintain their salvation or their relationship with him. Because at any moment, if they do something wrong, well, then it's just gone. So they're left with no confidence. They're left with minimal faith in this thing because they're just not hoping. They're not hoping that, that Jesus is actually going to come back and they don't have the faith that Jesus actually meant what he said. So some guy put it this way, a different guy. <laughs> uh, our hope is not mere speculation in what God might do. God has given us his word, which is the Bible, has given us his word on so many areas of life regarding things he will do. We can have confident hope in everything that he has promised. If I can add to that, we can have hope on everything he's promised because he's been faithful before. So if we look back on his faithfulness, and, we, and that's where our faith is, we can hope for more faithfulness from God because he's loving and he wants to pour that out. So, as you dive into scripture, you can see that your salvation is assured so long as you just have faith, which is confidence in the hope of the cross, right? You can now have assurance in the things you can't see. True hope, when it is found in Christ, makes us assured that we are saved in our faith. And so I'm going to ask this question to you, because I think this is a really important question, and this is in no way meant to scare you into the gospel, because I don't think that's effective. But it's actually meant to make you realize how much hope you do have, okay? So here's the question. If I die right now, will I immediately be in the presence of Jesus? It's a very simple question, right? And depending on how much hope you have, well, you're left saying, well, no, because I really messed up this morning and, um, and I haven't apologized for this, and so there's just no way God would, would accept me, right, even though I've been walking with him and I have a relationship with him and, 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 I've, put, and I've placed my faith in him, but he just, he wouldn't save me, right? Well, that sounds like you're walking on eggshells. That sounds like you don't have a lot of confidence in that relationship, but if you can go, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm immediately ushered into the presence of Jesus when I die. Well, it sounds like you have a beautiful gift that we'll get into in a minute called increased faith. And what increased faith actually does is it can give hope to other people, right? So what I would want Jesus to do through my increased faith in him is I would want people to see that and go, maybe there is hope. 
Maybe there's a real hope, because that hope seems to be sustaining clay. And maybe that could sustain me too. And, and my, my faith does not make me better than you, or me better than that person. It makes me better than me. And your faith in Jesus makes you better than you, right? So we're all on the same playing field. So faith is confidence in what we hope for. We hope continually for something to happen that will save us from this fallen world that hurts us every single day. We can have faith that Jesus beat death so that we can walk in a new life. And Jesus offers us a real, a real and everlasting wonderland of hope. So not a fake escape, but a real one, right? Finally, our hope can be grounded in something real and unchanging, and this happens through the symbiotic bond of hope and faith working together. The more we look back on God's faithfulness, the more we hope to see him do it again, right? So maybe you've come to a point in life where you start thinking, it feels like hope in this Jesus has failed me before because I didn't get exactly what I wanted, I didn't get the outcome I was hoping for. And Clay, you're saying if I just hope, it'll happen. <laughs> right? And I felt that too. And hope can be so hard to hold on to. Uh, there's actually, I'm going to nerd out for a second here. There's a Star Wars movie that, that puts it this way. Uh, hope is like the sun. If you only have faith in it while it's up, you'll never make it through the night. Right? Um... I went off script and now I'm lost. <laughs> so we're sitting there with God and we plead and we plead and we plead, but sometimes we're left feeling like there's no point in putting our faith in him anymore because we didn't get the outcome or the circumstance that we were hoping for. And there aren't a lot of words that I could share with you to remedy that feeling because I have those feelings sometimes too, but I do have a confident hope based on God's faithfulness that he wants to be with you. And not only does he want to be with you, he wants to be by your side and he wants to co-labor with you, right? He wants to actually do things to expand his kingdom and invite you into those things. Uh, so just because God didn't do what you've asked him to do doesn't mean that he won't, right? I want you guys to think about that. Just because God didn't do what you've asked him to do doesn't mean that he won't. So I want to share with you guys how this eternal hope has changed everything in my life, because I haven't really bridged that gap yet. Growing up, the only thing I ever wanted to do was escape, which we've talked about, okay? I did that by playing video games, watching movies, reading comic books, things like that. Seeking out these things that would only give me temporary hope, which really is no hope at all, as we're finding out, I refused to let people get in the way of what I wanted to do. I hated being interrupted by that because in my mind, I had the thing that I was hoping to do when I got home, and now mom wants me to do the dishes. <laughs> uh, one thing to understand about me is I have five younger siblings. They're all scattered and separated, so it gets complicated. Uh, I can draw you a diagram later. Uh, but older brother duties would regularly come up, and I would have zero patience for it. I could not be interrupted in what I wanted to do, especially with my oldest sister. I was bitter and cold toward her, and I acted as if she was my greatest inconvenience. After finding new life in Christ, 
that perspective, that filter started to shift. Instead of seeing her as an obstacle in the way of my hope or my escapes or my wonderlands, I started to live out a new hope and see her as, as someone I wanted to share that hope with. I started taking my brother duties a lot more seriously and was way more kind toward her. Eventually, she noticed this change that I didn't even really realize was happening, right? She said, Clay, ever since you've been going to that church, you've been so much more nicer and more helpful. See, she noticed an outward change in the way that I was acting with her, and that was all based on the hope that had happened internally. There's this, in, this eternal internal hope that had been placed, and now she was noticing it. And that eternal hope impacted her life and showed her that maybe this gospel thing can actually change lives. Maybe this hope actually works. Because I try to escape and escape and escape in other things, but this seems to be genuinely working for you. So, for application's sake, for, for all of this, here's what I want you guys to start doing. And it's, I think it's really simple. I want you to try hope. Like, just try hope. Try hoping. Tell God the Father everything it is that you hope for. He wants to hear it from you, and he wants to talk to you about those things. Begin to look for ways you can hope for the best in this life with Christ and in your relationships with others. I'd like to give you an example of how this hope has, has changed me, um, just in, in a more personal sense with my escapes. So for me, hope has become a filter that I view the entire world through. Um, instead of just feeling that... Uh, Instead of just a feeling that I chase, my hope is now in the gospel. So I'm looking for the gospel to be represented everywhere I go and in everything I do. It's just always, it's this filter that's just always on, right? And sometimes I have to clean that filter, but it's there. So I look for the gospel to be represented. And one thing I love to do with this uh, that I previously mentioned is take this to superheroes, right? Uh, I'd like to show you how I see the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> If you guys are familiar, raise your hand if you've heard of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Thank you. Uh, their theme song is fantastic. Uh, so <laughs> Raised in the sewers of New York City, you have these mutants that want to be accepted by the world above so bad. But they're only seen as freaks. They're mutants, right? We, we labeled them that. We said, no, you're a mutant. You're a disgusting mutant turtle. Uh, <laughs> and they think to themselves, what if we save the world... And then they will love us. Because we're ninjas, so we can protect people. So what if we use our ninja-y stuff to protect people, and then they'll like us because we're doing something that they like. Maybe they will love us and not see us as freaks. These ninjas wanted to do the right thing, but it was for the wrong reason. It was just to please people, right? And so when they're out there doing their shenanigans at night, they're walking on eggshells trying not to be seen by certain people, but seen by specific people while they're doing good things, right? They're trying to get this reporter, April O'Neil, to help them out <laughs> and report the good stuff, but they have to avoid the bad reporters that don't like them, right? They're walking this tightrope. Eventually, they realize they should just start doing the right thing and expect nothing in return. To me, that sounds like a, the hope found in the gospel. Doing the right thing which is entering a loving relationship with Jesus, but only for the right reason. The wrong reason is I'm going to enter this relationship with Jesus because Crystal said it's a good idea, 
The wrong reason is, well, this person that I'm dating really likes Jesus, so maybe I should also really like Jesus too. The right reason is just because it's true. Because it is true, right? And if you're unsure about that, well, we can have a conversation about that. So again, what are you hoping for? We asked that question, and now, now resurface that thought. What is that thing that you're hoping for? Pick one thing. And now ask yourself this. Are you placing your faith in a circumstance or in the person of Jesus? Maybe you're at the point where you've realized that the gospel is true. Carly, will you please join me up here? Thank you. So if you, for the first time, or for the first time in a long time, want to enter the eternal cycle of hope and faith in Jesus Christ and be part of a perfect relationship with God the Father, if that is you, for the first time you want to enter this relationship with Jesus, or if, you've been, if you feel like you've been so distant from him and you just want to return to his presence, I want you to raise your hand if that's you. Excellent. So there's nothing special about this prayer. What matters is your heart posture towards Jesus. What matters is this deep longing for relationship to be perfected between you and Christ. So what I want us to all do together is repeat this prayer of salvation. And again, the prayer isn't special. It's your heart posture towards Jesus. Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner and fall short of your glory. I am in desperate need of saving and that salvation comes through you. I believe in you to cleanse me and usher me into a reconciled relationship. You are now my Lord and it is you I choose to follow. I commit my life and my spirit to you. I say these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Excellent. Here's what we're going to enter into. <laughs> we're going to enter into a time of worship, and there's one more thing that we'd like, uh, two more things really that we'd like to do, but let's start with this, okay? We have this whole open area here, and our favorite word at Crossroads, my favorite word is hope, but our favorite word collectively is family. We love to be a family. We are all one family in the body of Christ. And because you've said that prayer, you are in this family forever. No ifs, ands, or buts. Nothing else you have to do. You're in the family. So as a family, I would love it for us to worship together, to pray with one another in this space here. You are invited. If that makes you uncomfortable, okay, you can stay exactly where you're at. Or if this is a day to grow in some boldness, well, then I'd love to see you up here too, right? Um, and here's what we also believe at Crossroads as a part of our movement. Our movement's called the Foursquare Movement. Uh, it's that the Holy Spirit can empower us to do some amazing things and that there are gifts available from Him that He is eager to give us to steward. A gift we see displayed in Scripture that I mentioned earlier is the gift of increased faith. This increased faith is a beautiful gift that you can have. It will give you supernatural hope in your darkest times. It will bring you peace in times of chaos. It will remind you of the faithfulness of God in times that you are tempted to leave him. It will ensure that you always know that you are saved and that your salvation cannot be taken from you. This gift is available to all who believe. 
So, if you would like to receive this gift of increased faith, what I'd love for you to do is stand to your feet, and I'd love to pray for you to receive this gift. If you have received this gift, this is a really easy way to do it, and it's to ask that question that I asked earlier. If I die right now, will I be ushered into the perfect presence of Jesus? If that's you, what I would love for you to do is anyone who would stand up and raise their hands that they'd like to receive that gift, please go lay hands on them and pray with them as I say this prayer. And for the rest of us, would you just bow your heads, uh, close your eyes, and, and I'll say this prayer over all of us. Holy Spirit, thank you for prompting those standing to receive this beautiful gift. We know that you will empower us to believe in ways that we have never believed before. As we receive this gift, I ask that you show us how to share our faith with others in amazing ways. Show us how to steward the level of faith and hope that you bring through this gift. We recognize that this gift can only come from you. So we are submitted to your prompting on how to utilize this gift. We receive this gift in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. One other thing. <laughs> the baptismal is open. <laughs> and if you have placed your faith in Jesus, what he modeled for us is the beautiful thing of baptism. And this baptism is, a, is to symbolize something that's already happened on the inside, right? It's a, a public declaration of the faith and the hope that you now have that is residing in you. So if baptism is something that the Lord is calling you to do today as an act of obedience and as an act of showing uh, just an outward expression of the faith that you now have on the inside. Uh, the baptismal is open. Would anyone like to get baptized right now? Okay. If you do, uh, Crystal's right there. Suzanne's right here. Let them know that you'd like to get baptized. We will interrupt anything and everything to baptize you, okay? We live in a fallen world that is in desperate need of hope. And what if we as believers started to extend the gospel of Jesus Christ as hope to the hopeless. How might that start to change the hurting world around us? Let's always be ready to share the hope we have when we encounter anyone in our daily lives. Yes, daily, not just on a Sunday. We just had our Monday morning Crossroads series, and that's all about us doing this every single day. So let's go into the world with an everyday hope that is meant to be shared. Let's show people the wonderland of hope that Jesus offers and how Jesus is the greatest hero of all time. Let's start that right here in this room with some worship. Carly's going to lead us in that. And then uh, we'll have some stuff after worship as well. So thank you guys.